This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to this year's huge Emmy Predictions show. And I'm so happy to have friend of the show with us, critic Thelma Adams. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. It's amazing. We've gotten now to, now we're like just Emmys are here. Award it's season happening. has begun. Yeah. <laughs> so Thelma, let me introduce you. Um, you've written Please. for the New York Times, for Variety. You've twice chaired the New York Film Critics Circle. You are one of the experts over at Gold Derby Award Prediction Site and one of the best. Your statistics are always up there. Last time we <laughs> talked, we did the Oscars and actually we did a pretty good job with our predictions, if I remember this correctly. This year was like a weird, uh, oddly weird year, but yeah, we did a pretty good job. <laughs> well, we're going to get into the Emmy predictions and we're going to help you all prepare your ballots. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about the September 20th telecast itself, because it's going to be different, to say the least. I want to hear your thoughts. The producers did an interview in Variety recently, and let me just relay a little bit of what they're planning. So they're going to do a Corona safe telecast, but they promise that it won't be Emmy's light, as they say. Host Jimmy Kimmel is going to anchor it from the stage at Staples Center with no audience and no red carpet. But here's the kicker. Their ambitious plan is that they're going to have camera operators stationed where every nominee is located. That's over 140 live feeds coming into the control room at Staples Center. So every nominee is going to be filmed at their location. As a longtime TV producer, I find this fascinating. Some of the nominees are in London and Tel Aviv. What are your thoughts about this? Will it work? Well, my thoughts are have changed since the Democratic and the Republican National Convention because I feel like they were able to do overnights these kind of quote-unquote live shows. So you know there's going to be... First of all, Jimmy Kimmel's not going to be in a room by himself. There will be people there that he knows that will help him laugh laugh at his jokes you know whoever that is there will be war a few warm bodies in the room which will make it easier for him i also think there'll be a few presenters at staples mm -hmm. yeah i mean how many green rooms how much room we all mm -hmm. know how to social distance in in situations it's just like if everybody went that wouldn't be good um I think they'll also have pre-done packages. So that's going to give them some time. If my favorite picture from the Democratic Convention was the guy who had all the feeds, mm -hmm. who was like working from home. Well, do you know who that was? Do you know why the, Democratic, the, why the Democratic Convention was so good? Because that's the famous Oscar director, Glenn Weiss. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. he, he produced the Democratic Convention, so he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He was sitting in his house in his cargo shorts and barefoot, mm -hmm. you know, and he just was doing it. So I have every faith, you know, the proliferation of live streams that it, I in some ways hope that it'll be a little better. I, you know, maybe I'm optimistic, but we're really losing out on the part that I love, which is the red carpet yeah. and the dresses that I've come to like, yeah. And I think they're saying that what could substitute for that is that the people that they usually dedicate their speeches to, their kids and such, could be on the sofa with them. 
<laughs> so it could be a, you know, a private moment, but it's not a substitute. But <laughs> it's a very nerve wracking moment. There are yeah. very few people who are just like, hey, I win it, I don't win it. And that's going to be the weird thing is everybody will be mic'd up as if they're going to win. And then kind of the question, like a Zoom call, does that mean that everybody who doesn't win is just going to unplug? Yeah, that'll be interesting if they'll just black blacken the screens and the winner will be left there. And one of the things that they won't be holding an Emmy, they had an idea about driving cars out to the winner, which they won't be able to do. <laughs> so they'll be giving yeah. a speech without. But I was going to say about the, the pre-taped sequences, because the MTV Music Awards were a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, and they did not get all that great reviews. There was so many pre-taped sequences, and you could really tell that they knew who was going to win. Um, so I think that they're uh, trying to do the opposite of that, that they're still trying to get that nerve in, that even they, the producers don't know who will win and do it this way and see if it, it feels more like a live show than that did. Yeah, I wonder. I just, at least I'll say this, by the time the Oscars happen, they will know how to do this. I know. I was thinking too. They, the, this time the Oscars are very lucky they have an award season ahead of them. <laughs> See how well, everyone they is. are lucky if they have an award That's season. True. That's I true. heard my first my first Oscar prediction today was the Regina King movie was opened at Venice, and so there's there's Oscar buzz, and I, you know it's just an odd odd time for movies. Whereas most of these TV shows were already out running established. Right. But let's get into our predictions. Okay. I just have to say before we start that this year, I'm sort of counting on that there's a couple shows that I think will sweep. And I'm really terrified that my... Um, that your predictions are going to be... You, you've expected sweeps and maybe they'll share? Yes. I'm thinking that my strategy could be my downfall this year. <laughs> Okay, so let's see. What's yeah, your let's strategy? See. I'll uh, what I'm going to do is we'll go from comedy to drama and then end with limited um which I think is such an interesting category this year and a really big one. I think a lot of people are waiting for right. so we'll end with that one. But let's get started. The comedy series, best comedy series. There we have What We Do in the Shadows, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, The Good Place, Shit's Creek, Insecure, Dead to Me, Curb Your Enthusiasm and the Kaminsky method. Thelma? Yeah. What are you thinking? You know, it's, you gotta vote this one by what you think they're gonna vote for. And as you were talking about waves, I feel like it's the Shit's Creek wave this year. I'm with you there. This is what I'm counting on. <laughs> I mean, Heart of My Heart, the favorite show that I wanted was what we do in the shadows my favorite comedy show it will not win but i remember when this whole thing was starting up and i was at gold derby and i said you know what we do in the shadows maybe we should be considering it and they were like oh <laughs> left field again <laughs> and uh it got a nomination and then it was like oh my god a surprise nomination no this is a show where the writing's super tip top and I love it. And whether it gets an Emmy or not, doesn't. that's not important to me. Obviously, it's important to the people that um, wrote, produced, directed the show, starred in it. Um, my, other, my other feeling here, I love The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but it's gotten a lot of awards in the past. And I think here's a case with Schitt's Creek where it's all these people we've loved forever joining together 
That's what I think, too. They've been working together for 40 years, some of this cast. A mighty wind. By the way, like, you can go back and say all the great things that they've done together. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the, amazing. You know. Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy. Amazing. <laughs> but, and, and I think that Chits Creek is a little the, the engine that could, that started on a really small um, channel. Right. Was it Pop TV or something? A, a right. Canadian show. And then now when it's on Netflix, everyone's watching it. And it's the last season. So I think if this is the time to give it awards, uh, so I'm definitely thinking that that's what they'll do this year. I have to give oh. a little shout out to Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I think had an excellent season, yeah. um, sort of pre-pandemic, but still in that right. mode. I thought it was so funny this year. <laughs> I don't think it will win. So I'm also going with Shit's Creek here. Okay. And I also have to say, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I love, but it's a little bit like when I was a kid, I used to watch I Love Lucy. And when she got into embarrassing situations, I would run out of the room. And Curb Your Enthusiasm so neurotic in the way that my family is neurotic, <laughs> that it's a little bit like, they're like, mom, you don't need to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> it's cringe TV. <laughs> it's kind of cringe TV for me, but I love it. And I love, you know, Larry Dame. So comedy actress, there we have Issa Rae for Insecure, Catherine O'Hara, Schitt's Creek, Rachel Brosnahan for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Christina Applegate, and Linda Cardellini for Dead to Me, and Tracy Ellis Ross for Blackish. Catherine O'Hara, right? This is what I'm saying. Catherine O'Hara. I mean, Rachel Brosnahan, fantastic. Again, that show seems like it happened so long ago. I adore the show. I remember seeing the pilot when Amazon did pilots and they they did pilots and they asked people to respond to them and rank them before they even shot the show. And that was like head and shoulders above everything else. Um, it just popped and I love it to death. But this year is Shit's Creek. Come on, you guys. <laughs> Eugene, Catherine. <laughs> to get ahead of ourselves. I think so too, that Eugene and Catherine will get the comedy actor and comedy actress and I just think people want both of them prized for these 40 years we were talking about. Oh. I mean, these two have been doing comedies, some of the best comedies ever. And now they're, you know, ending this series, which has gotten such a huge boost at the end. Right. Um, I just think it, it's, this is what people want to see. Yeah, also the, the irony of Schitt's Creek is that these are these city people who get stuck all together in a yeah. hotel. It's like, my God, they knew about the pandemic and isolation before, you know? And, and how it makes families even crazier. So we already said who would be comedy actor. Is there anyone else in the comedy actor uh, category you want to shout out or you think could be a spoiler here? You know what? I really think it's going to be Eugene um, Levy. It, Rami may come in. He's, that show is popular. The sh he is the show. So you and I are really hoping for a sweep. So I, and also, oh, who doesn't, who doesn't deserve it more than Eugene Levy? I mean, that guy, <laughs> you know, he and, and uh, Tony Shalhoub should have a show together. So let's go to the supporting actress okay. and actor categories in comedy. There we have two from Saturday Night Live, Kate McKinnon and Cecily Strong. We have Alex Bornstein for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Annie mm -hmm. Murphy, Schitt's Creek, and Darcy Carden, The Good Place, Mar Marin Hinkle for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and Yvonne Orji for Insecure. Oh, yes, and Betty Gilpin for Glow. There's eight in the categories nowadays, which is a lot. 
it's eight and then it's seven and then it's six on the Emmys. It's an odd. So this again, I think it's Alex Borstein. I think she has been so much of Mrs. Maisel and has not really been recognized. I mean, she's been recognized, but I think this is the year that her, her character, her acting, and she really has an arc. She's not a sidekick. She has a, there's a lot going on with this character. And also she's played so many different characters in the Palladino arc in past shows. And then she's come into her own at this moment. I'm just hoping. This is a hoping. I hope it's her. Okay. You know, I'm actually, because this is the one category I'm going against my sweep. I'm going to agree with you on Alex here. I think also that she has the most talked about. She's had a great arc, as you say. Um, so I'm also banking on her. There's one other thing, one upset that I see that could happen. Kate McKinnon from oh. Saturday Night Live. I just feel like she has batted a thousand. She's been so great. Her Elizabeth Warren, all of the men she's played. Um, I think that there's... I think that there's a possibility for an upset there. But then again, that's my bias. I'm in love. Nothing would make me happier. <laughs> I love Kate McKinnon. So that would be that would be great. So in comedy supporting actor, we have Mahershala Ali for Rami, Sterling K. Brown for Maisel, Dan Levy for Schitt's Creek, Tony Shalhoub, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Alan Arkin, Kaminsky Method, Keenan Thompson, SNL, William Jackson Harper, The Good Place, and Andre Brower for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So here I am going for Dan Levy. Okay, that's, I don't think that's so bold. I think that that is, that, that there's a very good chance because he's also the intelligence behind the show. He's the show. He's written it. It's his idea. It's Eugene's son. I just think that if they're giving it to the other ones and giving it to the show, it would be kind of odd to leave him out. And um, my upset here is also the SNLer. It's Keenan Thompson oh, because I so think, good. yeah, and I also think people have started much well-deserved to, to see how long he's been oh on SNL. God. The so amount of long. time he's put into it. He's the, the cast member who's been there the longest right now. Maybe he could get some love in that case. So that, that those are nice. my predictions. And his <laughs> musical numbers are great, you know? <laughs> That's why I like A.D. Bryant, because when they do those musical numbers, she comes out. He gives it all. I love Tony Shalhoub. I want to see him recognized for Mrs. Maisel. Um, this may have hit its sell-by date. Again, because it just, uh, uh, but it may not be fresh enough. And so it may be Dan Levy um, would be my second choice. I love Sterling K. Brown in Mrs. Maisel also. I mean, this yes, is Mahersh Ali, this category, um, Alan Arkin, just every, there's not like any filler. There's fantastic talent here. Sterling K. Brown, I think, is amazing. It just feels like he's gotten a lot of Emmy love. Right, for This Is Us. This Is Us, yeah. Yeah. No, it could be Tony Shalhoub. I mean, everyone. Who doesn't love Tony Shalhoub? Who doesn't love a Tony Shalhoub slow burn implosion? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just can't. I just am like, oh, he takes my breath away. But let's go to the comedy directing and writing. Mm, um, this is a tricky one. 
Yeah, there we have um, the episode Happy Ending from Schitt's Creek, Marvelous Radio from Maisel, The Great from The Great, um, Move from Rami, We Love Lucy, Will and Grace, the finale of Modern Family, and It's Comedy or Cabbage from Maisel. You know, I think it's going to, I think you're sweeping and I think we're going to do Schitt's Creek as for the win on this one. I'm with you. I'm taking both comedy writing and directing for this episode, Happy Ending from mm-hmm. Schitt's Creek, because right. I continue my maybe disastrous <laughs> <laughs> thinking of this week. And it's also a great episode. Schitt's Creek, right? That's what I'm thinking. And I'm the two of us will be up Schitt's Creek if this, <laughs> if our sweep doesn't, <laughs> our sweep doesn't, doesn't pan hold. out. And in the drama section, we're going to come against the same thing. So I think so too. Yeah. Um, so let's move on over to there. The drama section is The Crown. Oh, the drama series, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The Crown, Killing Eve, Better Call Saul, Stranger Things, Handmaid's Tale, The Mandalorian, which everyone was so surprised that it got mm-hmm. into here, Ozark, and Succession. Uh, you know, it's a bias of my own also. I, I, I think it's Succession. Oh, yes. Um, I just, I tried Ozark twice. I know people love it. And I, you know, I've tried it and I, I just didn't catch the wave of Ozark. It has a lot of people behind it and very, you know, a lot of nominations. Um, my personal opinion doesn't matter. I think, you know, on that level. It matters to me. <laughs> but I would say um, Succession is where, is, is where the meat is. And certainly a more timely show would be hard to find. I, I, I don't think it's any doubt that it's succession this i mean this last season people were talking about it who weren't even talking about the first seasons i mean it suddenly became a cultural phenomenon in a way that that breaking bad was in its time so i I mean ozark is good and all but i I don't think there's a question in this case um so gosh no hard discussion no (laughs) conflict between us the only thing that 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 i find with succession is that the people go from bad to worse, <laughs> you know, and that, that, that's the nature of the show. It's like saying Breaking Bad, well, he, he was, wasn't a nice guy. Well, so he's a felon, okay, you know. So in drama actress, we don't have anyone from Succession, so there we can't even talk about a sweep, but we have Olivia Coleman in The Crown, Jennifer Aniston for The Morning Show, Laura Linney from Ozark, Jodie Comer killing Eve, as well as Sandra Oh, and the um, Zendaya, who was a wonderful surprise in the nominations right. for Euphoria. So what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> what am I thinking on that one? I'm still kind of out. I mean, in, in typical times, it would be Olivia Coleman. I think she has a chance. She has this episode right. called Aberfan. Yeah. Where, where Queen Elizabeth visits this uh, city with horrible mudslide that killed children. She did such incredibly powerful work this right. year in The Crown. So I, I am pretty sure that uh, she could be an upset. I do think Laura Linney is the one that people have talked about. She has the most buzz. Yeah, I, and all, yeah, I think that Laura Linney is, is the, the likely winner. Although The Morning Show has gotten a lot of strong Emmy love. True. And Aniston is popular. But not popular in the way that you have to give her an Emmy, you know? It's not, it wouldn't be completely shocking, but, but if you, if I have to write something down on my ballot today, I think it would be Laura, but this one is the one. This is a little wiggle. Yeah. This one is not as, as clear cut. Um, 
And who knows how clear cut ultimately it'll all be. It seems kind of clear cut now, but we'll see. So drama actor, there we have. Um, Ooh, now this is a close race. This is close. We have Sterling K. Brown for This Is Us, nominated again. Jason Bateman for Ozark, Billy Porter for Pose, Steve Carell, The Morning Show. And then we have the Succession Boys, Brian Cox. Succession Boys. Jeremy Jeremy Strong. Strong. Hmm. (laughs) I just think, I mean, Jeremy Strong, what a performance. Up, down, over, backwards. But this is Cox. It just has to be. He's, He's the patriarch of a show about patriarchy. And he's an actor who's been around forever and is always good. I I think you're you're almost starting to sway me. I mean, I love them Are both. Are you Jeremy? They've both been on the show. They've both I'm Jeremy, but I mean Brian Cox would make me wonderfully happy. I just think that Jeremy Strong, there's been so much talk about his method acting. He has that last scene where he turns the tables on everyone. But I think that Jeremy Strong has a little bit of an edge here. Okay, because he has more of an arc that carries him to the very end. Yes, I think okay. so. Okay. I mean, one of them will win. One, I mean, yeah, we don't, I mean, we don't even seems, have to discuss the other that ones. Seems, <laughs> that seems clear, that one of them will win. And that's that this is the year of succession. And supporting actress, I think I will just have to listen to you here because in drama, I, I this one is confusing me. But we have Julia Garner in Ozark, Sarah Snook. So confusing. Fiona Shaw, Killing Eve, Laura Dern, Big Little Lies, Sandy Newton, Westworld, Meryl Streep, Big Little Lies, Samara Wiley for Handmaid's Tale, and Helena Bonham Carter in The Crown. That's eight in this category. Huge. So let's talk about, you know, this is the time that Meryl will not be a contender. Um, that I agree. That was kind of fallen to the back. That character was, for all of the hype about Meryl being on the show, then that character wasn't that interesting to me. It didn't work. I agree. Yeah. Um, and she didn't fit. It wasn't her fault. It was how she, you know, Jessica Rabbit. It was how she was written, you know, didn't, didn't work. Um, you know, I love some people here that are not going to win. I love Fiona Shaw and Killing Eve, um, and I love Killing Eve, and I know that that is now not so much of a contender, um, but I have a bias towards it. I think I'm still kind of going the period route, which is Helena Bottom Carter as to win, um, but she has some fierce competition, particularly Julia um, Garner in Ozark. Ah, oh, you're confusing me. I think Helena Bonham Carter, did she do enough? She, I didn't think she was, she has one great episode there when they come and visit the States. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, she's, she's excellent, but it just, for me, it's between Julia Garner and Ozark and Sarah Snook in succession. Right. And, and Snook, the thing is, every time she's on that show, the show lights up. Like mm-hmm. I, and also because it's so masculine that she just kind of zings around. She, she gets a lot of light. So I really like her in that. That would be an upset I could live with. And maybe I'm living in the crusty past on this Helena Bonham Carter thing. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that it would not surprise me um, at all. And I think The Crown had a tremendous season too. I think Julia Garner more than Ozark. I think everyone's talking about her and everything. She and just everything has a lot of buzz in. around her. Right. And have you seen The Assistant, which you can stream now? I have about it's. She's amazing in it. She's amazing, yeah. and it's like a one-woman show. The whole movie is her. 
So that's the reason I'm sort of going between them. And Mm -hmm. Sarah, I think she lights up. She's amazing. She has a really hard role where she's sort of, you know, battling herself. And and I think maybe it's just my succession sweep that is talking here that I'm thinking if they love them. (laughs) But I can't really decide. This is really hard for me. Yeah. um, Yeah, that one. I'm going to still go with Helena Bonham Carter. I will go with Sarah. Uh, I think you're going to be right. (laughs) I I have no idea. It could be any of those top three. It really could. And here we have supporting actor, another eight. um, Giancarlo Esposito for Better Call Mm -hmm. Saul, Jeffrey Wright, Westworld, Mark Duplass, The Morning Show, Nicholas Braun, Succession, Bradley Whitford, The Handmaid's Tale, Matthew McFadden, Succession, and Kieran Culkin, Succession, and Billy Crudup for The Morning Show. Crudup, 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 crudite. I gotta say here, Kieran Culkin knocks me out in succession. He has from day one been surprising, emotionally available, interesting. I don't know, that that character and the way he plays it and that kind of savant fool within the group, I'm, I'm feeling him. I'm feeling him too, hundred percent. Oh, and stop I, it! <laughs> I do, and I and, and I have to say, and um, to to expand on what you're saying, in a lesser actor's hands, that role could have been so bad. I mean, the fact that you feel all his vulnerabilities when he's just doing the weirdest things, um, yeah. I think he's amazing. I really do. I, right, I think together with Jay Jay Smith Cameron and their jerry their relationship and all that it's it's the most talked about relationship on the show other than jeremy strong and brian cox so i've actually been hearing people talk about bradley whitford and his role on handmaid's tale that it's so resonant in the political times that we are in and people love him in the emmys Mm -hmm. and things but i don't know i I have the feeling the handmaid's tale has done its thing sort of yes (laughs) period I agree. Period. Don't see it. I think the heat again is in succession. And I also think what's interesting when we talk about supporting actors here and when we talk about Sarah Snook and when we talk about Matthew McFadden is these are actors who are really listening to each other and interacting. Like you really feel that in that show that everyone's at the top of their game, but they're also, but no one's trying to steal the ball. It's the most perfect ensemble casting we've seen in a long time in TV. Right. So there we're in agreement. And then we have the drama directing and writing categories. These are a little tough. These are tough. We have the Aberfan episode from The Crown, the one that we were mentioning before where Queen Elizabeth goes to to the, the Aberfan village after right. this horrible disaster. Then we have the last uh, episode of Succession. This is not Tears. Fire Pink and Su Casa es Mi Casa from Ozark. And Hunting from Succession. The Interview from the Morning Show. Cri de Coeur <laughs> from the Crown. And <laughs> our, Prisoners of War. <laughs> our French is equal, I can see. Yes. <laughs> and Prisoners of War from Homeland. Interesting. I mean, it's funny, like that Homeland is really just, there are these ones, I think there are these shows that have kind of, people love them, they're honorable, they're honored. And yet this year, they don't have the buzz. They don't have the energy behind them. They don't have all of the other acting. Like when you see that in every acting category, there are two or three people from Succession, you realize there's a lot of love for that show. Um, In this case, I'm going to say the Aberfan episode of The Crown, but 
close behind it is this is not for tears. It could be either one of those, both of them at the top. They're really amazingly written and directed episodes. I think I'm going to go for succession in both of these, actually, with this last episode. Mm -hmm. It just took such a turn there at the end and everyone analyzing Brian Cox's little smile. Right. It was the cliffhanger of the season of, of all television shows. Everyone is like going crazy for when are they going to start filming the next season to see how (laughs) the father deals with Jeremy Strong's and power play. Let's call it a power play. Power play. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Aberfan, I thought was, I mean, I cry, I thought it was so powerful and I'm not the biggest crown fan, but I thought it was incredibly powerful that episodes, but I just think there's something about writing and doing this cliffhanger that, that that's what I'm going for. Sounds good. And nothing, I really just don't see any of the other ones kind of coming in and, and, and throwing those two off their game. Okay. We have two, before we get into the last category here, we have the competition program and the variety talk series. Competition program is Top Chef, The Voice, Nailed It, The Masked Singer, and RuPaul's Drag Race. When you sit in here, Terry Gross of NPR talking to RuPaul, you kind of know this is his year. This is RuPaul's year. And I and that this one to me is a slam dunk in a category that I don't pay all that much attention to. Like I don't watch these things avidly. You you sold me. I know that I think you're absolutely right. I have to say that this last season of Top Chef with the Masters was really exciting. Really yeah. um, so I wouldn't mind if it. I thought that was very well done. But I also think that RuPaul, even though he was a cultural phenomenon already, he's kicked butt. He's like on top. We love that. We congratulations. He paid his dues. He pulled through. It, you know, it was a and long and hard. winding road to get to where he is. Yeah, I think that's true. And the variety talk show series is an important and interesting year considering really? the times we are living in. Um, and there we have Jimmy Kimmel live, Samantha B, Full Frontal, Late Show with Stephen Colbert, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. So here, I'm just going last week tonight with John Oliver because I think it's a must-see TV. It's very, very, very funny, and it's informative, and it's John Oliver. He's very self-effacing. I've just, that is my, that, I love that show. I think Colbert has done an awesome, awesome job this year, and, you know, he could come up in he could win i mean what he's done working at home bringing his wife into the show the Mm -hmm. way he's created intimacy the way he's been on the news continually his amazing silly trump voice all of those things are good and also trevor noah has been very sharp so this but when did the when did the how long has quarantine episodes of their show been eligible the ones that they've been doing from home the cutoff is what may could be so we did see a bit of that yeah right but trevor noah also just is a sharp guy and uh Mm -hmm. this is a really good category of people it is i'm also going with john oliver the impact that john oliver has when he does something real you know a couple of those episodes that just become you know explode virally takes on the insurance companies just he's exactly it's it's just it's amazing how he just can continue to kick above his weight 
So we'll see. Okay, so limited series. I just have to say that I think this year, the amount of Oscar winner, incredible writing, um, the right. level of the shows this year, you can really right. tell that this has become a category in the Emmys to contend with. Huge. Um, mm-hmm. So this year is Little Fires Everywhere, Unorthodox, Mrs. America, Unbelievable, and Watchmen in limited series. So all good. All incredibly good. I loved Watchmen. Um, bold, Regina King, fantastic acting, ev- everything. Watchmen, I think, is going to win. I think it's favored here. But I do want to take a minute and say how much I loved Unbelievable. Mm. And also Unorthodox. I mean, these were really fantastic. And Unbelievable is... Uh, you know, the acting, the writing, the the making public of this situation where nobody believes the rape victims. It was amazing. I mean, the writing particularly, right. how they sort of, you know, built this and built this tension and, and all the actresses are just phenomenal. It, it was an amazing series. Right. Um, here I'm going with my third, third and final <laughs> sweep strategy that I Watchmen. absolutely think Watchmen. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, Watchmen is the most nominated show of the year. So that has to say something about in you know, all the other, you know, below the line categories that we won't get into as well. Right. I, I think it, but I do agree. I mean, just to be in this group of people, I mean, anyone, any other year, any of these could win. And Mrs. America maybe wasn't for everyone, but you have to say that the acting in that one was spectacular. So there we can go to the actresses, which is also just this group of women. Kate Blanchett for Mrs. America, Shira Haas for Unorthodox, Carrie Washington, Little Fires Everywhere, Octavia Spencer for Self Made, and Regina King for Watchmen. What is that? One, two, at least three Oscar winners there. It's hot. Yeah. This is Regina King's year. I think she's going to win this. She has the, her directorial debut is coming out, um, which, which according to Variety today is going to be an Oscar contender out of Venice. So I would say Regina King. I think so too, hands down. But I will say also that for people who watched Little Fires Everywhere, the part of the problem there was a little bit of big little lies um, exhaustion. And a show that had a lot of exposition, so it didn't really cook for a little for a couple of episodes. But I would say that that is a show that we should remember. I mean, it dealt with a lot of um, issues of class, of race, of women, of power. It had an insanely good ensemble cast, down to the last teenager who was in it. And Carrie Washington, terrific character. And also it was something that really got women talking on Facebook forums, that it brought up issues that were relevant, whether whether the characters did took actions that I wanted them to or the viewers wanted them to. There mm-hmm. was a lot of debate that it raised. And that feels a little bit like it's been sidelined. No, that's true. And, and you can tell that too, since Reese Witherspoon didn't get any love. That was interesting. That it feels like that what you were saying, that it didn't really cook little fires everywhere. And also, I think Carrie Washington's is supreme in it. She's really good. And that was an interesting thing too, because it seemed like she and Reese were head to head in early predictions. Reese was ahead, but I really think that Carrie's 
stole the show. And just to mention how good Kate Blanchett is as Phyllis Schlafly, which is a mm -hmm. difficult role, um, just to master that and to get this whole thing together. I think she's excellent. But I, again, I think mm -hmm. that Regina King has the little, the edge, just right. because it was such a talked about series that, that really surprised people, not just being a sci-fi uh, comic book, but it just resonated on so many right. deeper levels right. on race and everything that it just was, I think it's really... It's going to be that year. So we have Actor, where we have another one from Watchmen, Jeremy Irons, Hugh Jackman from Bad Education, Mark Ruffalo for I Know This Much Is True, Paul Meskel on Normal People, and Jeremy Pope in Hollywood. I think this is a case where it's going to be Mark Ruffalo. Mm. Um, I Know This Much Is True. Uh, you know, that was the name of the book. It's one of those titles that you kind of can't remember. But... Um, it's, it was a really, in this time, it was a really, really hard watch. But I don't know how you can resist Mark Ruffalo as, as identical twins. No, two, two Mark Ruffalos, always better than one. Exactly. exactly. So to me, that seems like a no-brainer, but... Well, I'm going to go against you, but um, and I'm not going for my watchman sweep on this one actually i'm going for hugh jackman and bad education okay yeah i mean it's huge because hugh jackman it's it's because it's hugh jackman i also think he surprised people with this role um and he 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 does so many different things that he can go from a you know action movie to wolverine to a musical to this i don't know i i'm, I'm going with him and i think paul mescal everyone loved normal people but i think that in that case, it's an honor to be nominated. Yeah, I, I, may, I'm, I could be wrong, but that's what I'm going for. Okay. Okay, so we have supporting actress in Limited and Movie. There we have Jean Smart in The Watchmen, mm. Uzo Aduba in Mrs. America, as well as Tracy Ullman um, and Margot Martindale. So three fabulous women in, from Mrs. America, Holland Taylor in Hollywood and Tony right. Collette in Unbelievable. Got Tony Collette in Unbelievable. I think so too. She's just so good. When you talk when you talk about Hugh Jackman being able to do everything, I would have to say she's able to do everything. Uh, you know, she can do comedy, she can do horror, she hereditary, et cetera, et cetera. But what do you think? I agree. And I think that this is where this is so tough. I think that the three fabulous women in Mrs. America will sort of cancel each other out. But I think this is where Unbelievable will get its statue. I hope but so. But I, I think that a lot of people were impressed with Holland Taylor in Hollywood, even though they didn't like Hollywood all that much. I think she was um, very impressive and it was a very interesting role for her. Um, so that could be, I'm thinking that, that she could be maybe a little surprise, mm -hmm. but I'm going with Toni Collette as well. Where are we now? We're supporting... Now, now we're a supporting actor. And there mm. we have a couple Watchmen, three Watchmen, Joven Adepo, Louis Gossett Jr., and Yaha Abdul-Mateen II. Those are the three from Watchmen. Jim Parsons in Hollywood, Titus Burgess in Unbelievable Kimmy Smith, and Dylan McDermott in Hollywood as well. Okay. I'm thinking I would love to see Titus Burgess win because every yeah. time he comes on camera, he makes me happy but I don't think he will. I think it's going to be Jim Parsons for playing against type. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You kind of convinced me there because I was thinking Yaha Abdul-Mateen for Watchmen, 
but yeah. uh, Jim Parsons very much beloved and re- playing a part where he's playing against type. The only thing that would is counting against that one is the fact that Hollywood split a lot of critics. Right. Right. I think it did, but I think that that people will coalesce around Parsons. Okay, just and, and let's just do the last two limited directing and writing, where we have little fires everywhere, the extraordinary being from Watchmen as well as It's Summer and We're Running Out of Ice from Watchmen, and the third episode, Little Fear of Lightning from Watchmen, Normal People, and Unorthodox. That's for directing. You know, it's a really tough one. Um, I would say... I kind of came in with a little fires everywhere, just kind of like tried to, th- I, I, I try to throw that also because it is like Watchmen is competing against itself, against itself, against itself. That seems to I'm be- going for this extraordinary being in both directing and writing, actually. This is where my sweep continues, that episode okay. of Watchmen, which I think was much talked about and you see it every time someone references it or puts up a trailer or something. I'm not... I'm not 100% on this. Um, there's so much, especially in the writing category where you were talking about how, you know, how incredible, unbelievable is particularly in the structure of the, of the show. So it's interesting also because when you talk about writing and they pick one episode, where mm-hmm. one of the things about unbelievable is the arc of it. That's true. That's true. No, I think I'm going to stick to Watchmen on both of these. I'm going to join you on the writing Okay, and you'll do little fires, little fires on directing. Okay. Right. Ah, oh, Thelma, this is going to be exciting. We got through it. So let's see if we get through the night. <laughs> I think that we'll get through the night. Um, I would say this for now. This is the year that, I mean, it's been happening for a long time, that television eclipsed movies. Mm-hmm. It did not disappoint. There's incredible not only the content that the Emmys rewarded, but all sorts of things that niche markets can watch that are excellent, that are well-written, that are well-acted, that are international, that are diverse, that are female-driven, that have people of color. All of this stuff is going on at a much faster rate within the television sector or the streaming sector. And now we have to see how movies catch up. And a great note to end on, the power of television ahead of this big night. Thank you so much, Thelma, for joining me again. Thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun. I, you know, I wish there was more disagreement, (laughs) but but we'll just have to say, okay. Yeah, well, we'll see. We have a few interesting ones, but maybe next time we predict we'll be more on on other parts or we just- uh, Go with the flow. the best, yeah. The best is the best. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.